From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Thursday, January 19th. It's the first week of Utah's 2023 legislative session. Already, there's a flurry of bills folks statewide are scrambling to keep track of. That's certainly true in Grand County, where this week's staff and elected officials were preoccupied with not just a bill, but rather the threat of one. Representative Phil Lyman is considering attempting to repeal or amend some 2021 legislation that allowed Grand County to spend more tourism tax collection dollars on the mitigation of the tourism industry. It's meant they can funnel more money to departments like law enforcement, search and rescue, and solid waste. In a meeting this week, Grand County's Strategic Development Director Chris Baird said a full repeal of this legislation could represent a loss of nearly $900,000 from the general fund budget. It's it's pretty heavy duty. I, you know, I can't hardly think of another uh, bit of state legislation that could be more harmful. But I don't know how you know we could continue on and keep the uh, sheriff's department and search and rescue running with a $900,000 deficit. I mean, that's just too much. If faced with that deficit, Commissioner Trish Hedin says property taxes might have to increase. You know, legislation such as this will hurt every single one of us. Every single one of us. We need to look deep inside the impacts of this. And it's going to affect you. It's going to affect me. I'm going to pay more taxes. I'm not going to have the security that I currently have with the sheriff's department. I I do not want to see the sheriff's department take a hit like that. I'm having a really hard time not getting really emotional about this. Repealing that 2021 bill, known as HB 247, it would also mean ending new economic diversification programs. The bill allowed Grand County to use some tourism promotion dollars for small business assistance and development. Here's Baird. You know, this money, which is about a million dollars a year, going directly towards small business owners who live in Grand County. It's likely that if this were repealed, that we would be required to spend that money out of the state and and out of the country, you know, for tourism promotion. Representative Lyman has not yet drafted any language that would repeal HB 247. He confirmed with KZME News that it's been discussed, but did not indicate whether or not it's a high priority. According to new Grand County Commissioner Bill Winfield, it may not be. I think it's clear that the impacts of repealing this bill would cause hardships in this county. From what I understood from Mr. Lyman was that he's not in a hurry to do it and he would like to leave control in the hands of the county. Despite Winfield's feeling, he and five other commissioners voted to officially oppose any attempt to repeal or amend HB 247. Only Grand County Commissioner Mike McCurdy voted against that motion. Strategic Development Director Baird said he's planning to reach out to other groups who might advocate on the county's behalf in this situation, including the Utah Sheriff's Association, Utah State University's Legislative Advisory Council, and the Utah Association of Counties. The western U.S. has been slammed by wet weather so far this winter. That's good news for the Colorado River, where snow could turn into a boost for major reservoirs that have shrunk to historic lows. But climate scientists say there's a lot of winter left, and the 40 million people who use the river's water should take the good news with a grain of salt. KUNC's Alex Hager reports. The snow is snowing, the wind is blowing, and high in the mountains of Colorado, the ski slopes are getting busy. To be small, it's heavenly. It's a heavenly day of skiing. 
Bill Phillips is standing at the top of a lift at Snowmass Ski Area near Aspen, where the flakes are piling up. It's the closest thing to flight I will ever have. Phillips has been skiing here for 48 seasons, and he's seen good years and bad. This one, he says, has delivered. It's a, a fabulous year, and we've had regular snow. It's not just huge jump dumps, but regular, really nice patter, fluffy snow to ski in. And this snow is good for more than just skiing. All of that powder is crucial for the Colorado River. Two-thirds of its water starts as snow in the state of Colorado. This year, with totals well above average, spring snowmelt could help refill Lakes Powell and Mead, the nation's largest reservoirs. But Brad Udall, a climate researcher at Colorado State University, cautions against getting too excited. Everybody is so eager to make an early call on this, and invariably you'll get caught with your pants down if you you think you know what's going to happen. The Colorado River Basin has experienced more than two decades of mega drought. Udall says climate change is just making this whole region drier. And even with snow totals of 130% of average, it would take more than one year of deep pow to make a real dent. It's great to see a big snowpack, but we would need five or six years at 150% snowpack to refill these reservoirs. And that is extremely unlikely. Udall says warmer temperatures have already cut into the amount of snow running off into the Colorado River. Since 1970, temperatures in the region have gone up by 3 degrees Fahrenheit. And on top of that, abnormally dry soil is soaking up water before it can reach the places where humans divert and collect it. Man, we need to continue to plan for the worst here. That's what we've seen the last 23 years. That's what these warming temperatures continue to tell us. We have to plan for the worst. But planning has gotten a lot harder lately, even hundreds of miles from the mountains of Colorado. Cynthia Campbell knows that firsthand. She's a water management advisor with the city of Phoenix, which gets more than a third of its supply from the Colorado River. Our worst case scenario from our perspective is that we have to be in the habit of annually looking to the mountains to see what is the precipitation. In an ideal world, Campbell says reservoirs provide a buffer against the fluctuation of dry years and wet years. But with those reserves shrinking, cities around the Southwest can only plan a year at a time. That's just not enough time to make changes that you would have to make. But that is where we are. And so in some ways, we're living. Is it the worst nightmare? (laughs) Might be. But the seven states that use water from the Colorado River have struggled to reduce their demand. Even in the face of crisis, they can't agree on a plan to significantly cut back on use. In the meantime, big water users are trying to stretch the supplies they already have. That's true even with this winter's big rains in California. Adele Hodge Khalil runs the Metropolitan Water District of Southern California, which stretches from north of Los Angeles all the way down past San Diego. One storm is is not going to change the game. Whether we get a wet year or not, we need to continue focused on building the infrastructure we need to create local water supply. And as climate change keeps shrinking the snow that supplies water to people and farms across the Southwest, the need to adapt is only getting bigger. I'm Alex Hager in Snowmass Village, Colorado. This story is part of ongoing coverage of Water in the West, produced by our partners at KUNC and supported by the Walton Family Foundation. 
Breathe Utah was one of many groups who voiced their support during last week's EPA public hearing on a proposed rule to reduce oil and gas methane pollution. Alex Gonzalez with our partners at the Public News Service reports. Ashley Miller with Breathe Utah says the state is in need of strong rules from the EPA. She cites vast jurisdictional issues when it comes to air pollution, especially in the Uinta Basin, that Miller says faces a thinning ozone layer during the winter. She adds, having oversight from the EPA would offer guidance to Utah producers found on federal, state, and tribal lands and remains pleased with how the agency is moving forward. Hey, you know what? We really like what's in the draft rules. We think you guys nailed it. Don't scale it back is kind of the, the, the thing that we were kind of going for. Miller recognizes that those who live out in the Uinta Basin rely heavily on the oil and gas industry for jobs, but believes the EPA rule is crucial to ensure the appropriate protection is put in place for those who live and work within the sector and are exposed to harmful byproducts. Retired U.S. Army Brigadier General Steve Anderson says he understands that many Americans depend on the oil and gas industry for their livelihoods. At the same time, he says he believes the U.S. has an obligation to do everything it can to make the transition to more renewable energies that will not only improve air quality, combat climate change, and create new jobs, but will also reduce instability surrounding energy sources domestically and abroad. It's not about just reducing opportunities for pollution, which, of course, is a very, very good thing. But if you think of the big picture, what pollution and what continued over-reliance on fossil fuels does is it makes us less safe. As a former Republican and now unaffiliated, Anderson says Republicans are missing a major opportunity to be a part of the transition to a green economy by continuing to heavily back the oil industry. After reviewing comments, the EPA is expected to submit its final standards later this year. I'm Alex Gonzalez reporting. And that's the KZMU News for Thursday, January 19th. Get your community-powered journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.